we're back. So glad to be back with you on Central Region Now, the exclusive podcast of the RBA Sports Network as we return to our weekly Sunday edition from now until June. How are you, friends? Lots to talk about. Settle in and let's get started. Well, I want to talk a couple of things as we get going here on this edition. First of all, Rob with them along with you, and great to be back with you here on Central Region Now. I know that our podcast has been uneven the last few months, and I want to take a moment here at the outset of the show to talk to you a little bit about how things have gone and what we expect out of our podcast here for the next several months as we go forward. Uh, <laughs> couple of changes uh, have happened in uh, our lives uh, since we last spoke at length here on the podcast. Number one, which really has nothing to do with the podcast, but I'm just very excited. Uh, we are now T-minus 58 days into the scheduled arrival of my first grandchild. Uh, that, uh, that due date is January the 23rd. So while some of you are going to be either A, taking exams, or B, hoping it snowed so they were exams were snowed out. We're going to be, uh, sorry guys, sorry, we're going to be hoping it doesn't snow so it's an easy trip to the hospital when the time comes. So my son and daughter-in-law uh, getting really close now, and we're getting really excited here at, uh, at the Casa de Witham, otherwise known as Witham Nation World Headquarters, otherwise known as the headquarters of the RBA Sports Network. As you know, we are a family-owned and operated business. We are not a company. Corp- we're not owned by a corporation. We don't have any big money behind us. We have nothing behind us. This company is... Uh, HCS Media LLC, owned 100% by my wife. I'm the guy who just kind of runs it from day to day. Um, so that leads into the other big event that's happened in our lives over the last several months, and it happened a couple of weeks before the 2017-18 high school sports season got started for everybody except golf. Golf actually was almost underway. When one morning at about 4 a.m., literally... The ceiling in my bedroom came crashing down. Uh, long story short, we had some leaks and issues with our air conditioning unit up in the attic. We've been in our home now 25 years as of Halloween. Uh, we've never moved from our first home, raised both of our kids here. And uh, yeah, we didn't know and didn't realize how bad the situation was. We knew there had been an air conditioning issue. We had it fixed. In fact, we had two fixed and then All of a sudden, one morning at 4 a.m., the the ceiling came in. I mean, literally, the ceiling caved in. And uh, the the office that I use to house equipment and do the podcast and keep up with all my paperwork and whatnot literally is adjacent to the bedroom. So we were kicked out of our bedroom for it took almost two months for it to finally become... Uh, uh, livable back in again. And so we spent most of August and most of September uh, sleeping on the couch and running everything out of the living room, which, you know, got to be a pain at <laughs> got to be a pain at times, especially my poor wife. She was so tired of me being around uh, at uh, eight o'clock at night. You know, what's on TV tonight? You know, she's usually got the run of the mill because I'm not around. If I'm even if I'm here, I'm I'm back here in the other end of the house where all the offices, equipment is, et cetera, et cetera. But that was off limits for a while. So 
Uh, you'll notice that our podcast, we had it live on Friday night for about a month. Uh, other than that, we had not been doing the podcast. And part of it was just everything was in such disarray. Then we had the opportunity come up in late September. You know that we uh, this is the fifth year of our association and great partnership with our friends at NBC12. Uh, which we uh, do every high school football season. And we also partner through other parts of the season as well. But our main uh, focus is, is during football. We have the Big 12 poll every Monday and et cetera, et cetera. Mark, of course, joins us on the Game of the Week pregame show, joins us live on the on the scoreboard show. And this year, uh, our friends at NBC 12 wanted to expand their high school football coverage. So they asked me to be a part of a new Facebook Live on Wednesday afternoons which is when I go each week and record our pregame segment with Mark. And so we did that. That was met with great success. And we want to thank all of you who would join us on Wednesday afternoons uh, for the On the Sidelines Wednesday playbook. That started at the beginning of the season back near the end of August. And because of that, Mark came up with the idea of, man, wouldn't it be nice if we could do a Facebook Live right after on the sidelines on Friday nights so we could talk to everybody about the games, we could talk more and you know show the highlights and look at matchups and answer questions. And he's like, are you willing to come down and and give it a try? And I said, yeah, absolutely, we will do that. And our first On the Sidelines Extra on Friday night was on September 29th. And, of course, we had been doing our podcast live on Friday nights up until that point. But we had so much success. You guys just overwhelmed us with uh, views on Facebook, on NBC12's Facebook page, uh, coming on with comments and questions from not only here in the area, but we would get people talking to us across the nation uh, during our Facebook Lives on Friday night that it became a tradition. And so uh, in lieu of our live podcast on Friday nights, we joined uh, Mark and Matt down at 12 and really enjoyed doing the On the Sidelines uh, extra every Friday night right after On the Sidelines ended on NBC 12. So now that that has concluded and we have shifted our focus mostly to the winter sports scene in high school. And we've got college basketball underway here in the area, too. That gives us an opportunity. This is the normal time of year where we shift our podcast to Sundays. And so here we are, and we'll be able to do our podcast on a weekly basis. We'll work on how we're going to use the podcast coming up for the 2018 football season. But um, I, I was I gladly gladly said, okay, let's let's shelve the podcast for a little while and let's kind of retool it and decide how we want to use it going forward for next year's football season because of the success of what we did with our friends at NBC 12. And again, uh, I want to thank the management and the staff, the general manager, news director, uh, Mark, Matt, obviously everyone there at NBC 12 and Raycom Media for uh, allowing us to be a part of their expanded coverage of, of high school football in the area. I believe nobody does it better in the area than those guys. Uh, they, they have come a long way. And if you'd asked me that question 10 years ago, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said that. I would not have said that. But since Mark came onto the scene, uh, what, six years ago, and Matt joined him not too far later, uh, they and the crew of behind-the-scenes photographers, videographers, editors, etc., um, have just created not only a great Friday night broadcast, but great coverage all week long, both on TV, on digital, online, on Facebook. And we're really p- proud to be associated with that. So now that that has done for football season 2017, we're able to kind of restart the podcast here on Sundays. And we're excited about that. And we will find a way to get our podcast back into rotation uh, next time, next year, for football season. 
Um, but definitely uh, was, was I think, a, a very good decision in terms of giving you the – and this is what we're always trying to do. <clears throat> if we need to make a change to provide you with the best coverage that we can with the resources that we have, then that's what we're going to do. And for us to be able to share resources and join – uh, you know, the guys at NBC 12 to do that was a no-brainer. So with that all being said, our thanks to 12. Um, that's why our podcast was uneven during the last few months. Part of it was chaos at, <laughs> at, at World Headquarters. And, uh, and, and the rest of it was a great opportunity that we just could not pass up. And we hope that you received a whole lot of good information and you had good interaction uh, with us, with the guys at 12, and uh, we hopefully enhanced your high school football experience here in the 2017 season. And I know we always want your feedback about how we do things. Mark and Matt down at 12 always want feedback as well. And so don't hesitate to get in touch with us on Twitter with a DM uh, or email us or whatever the case may be. Uh, but it, it was it was great and it was wonderful and we're glad that we did it. Now we get our podcast on Sundays just like we do every other year for the winter sports and spring sports. And tonight we debut our first 2017-18 RBA Sports Network top 10 boys and girls basketball polls as the season has begun for some private schools as we record this on Sunday afternoon. But the season gets started in full force on Monday with the teams in the VHSL. But before we start, want to talk football and want to talk about the playoffs and the regional championships that took place this past Friday and Saturday. want to first of all congratulate both of Saturday's winners, Hopewell and Essex. Hopewell in 3A and Essex down in 1A. For the Trojans up in Tappahannock, it was a matter of having an 11-game winning streak going into a game where they were playing the only team that beat them, and it was in their season opener. Does that does that sound familiar to you as a scenario? <laughs> yeah. The Essex came in with the exact same script that Highland Springs did in uh, Region 5B on Friday night. They lost 8 nothing to Sussex Central opening night in August. They wrapped up 11 straight after that. They went 9-1 regular season. Uh, no problem whatsoever in both of their first playoff games. And then Sussex comes in, and it's a back-and-forth battle. There are key turnovers, opportunities made, opportunities missed. And in the end, Essex was able to get the defensive stand they needed, got the football back, ran out the clock, and they get a 23 22 win, and Essex on their way to the Class 1 state semifinals. They're going to host 1B region champion Riverheads in the state semis. Now, as far as we know, as we record this podcast, all state semifinals will be on Saturday, December 2nd, because now that we have the region championships done a week early under the new reclassification of the reclassification, and we have four regions and no conferences, the state semifinals used to also be region championship games from 2013 to 2016. That is no longer the case. Now you've got four region champions in each class and two play each other and the other two play each other this year. A plays B and C plays D and the winners meet for the state championship. So it is a VHSL sanctioned game. There is no region involved in it. So that means ticket prices the rest of the way. If you go to a football game, will be $10 because that's the VHSL charge rate, $10. Um, excuse me, also means that the host team is based on VHSL power rankings based on the end of the regular season, and that's why Essex is hosting. 
They had a higher power rating than Riverheads did, and thus Tappahannock the site for the semis. And again, as soon as we get kickoff times, we know um, Louise's right now as we record this podcast. We'll get the rest of them uh, no later than tomorrow, Monday morning, from the league office. And when we do... We'll post them at rvasportsnetwork.com and get them out on Twitter as well. But we believe that all state semis will be on Saturday. And, of course, the state championships are definitely next Saturday, uh, December the 9th. If Essex goes, uh, they'll be down in Salem. If um, Hopewell and Louisa can make it, they'll play at William & Mary. And if Highland Springs returns, they'll go back to where they won last year, and that'll be at Hampton University. But let's back up. Congratulations to Essex. Now to Hopewell. What a performance. York gets the early 6-0 lead at Bailey Field, and then Hopewell's defense clamps down, and it takes a while for Greg Cuffey, Ronnie Walker, and company to begin to find the holes, find the weaknesses in the York defense. But, boy, once they did. 9-6 9-6 at the half, and then it was 25 nothing the rest of the way. Three big touchdowns for Ronnie Walker in the second half. Great job by the Hopewell offensive line just to wear down and wear out the Falcon defensive front four. And Hopewell has now made the, the state semis three years in a row, which is a pretty major accomplishment. Um, now, of course, Hopewell, they, they did very well back in 2002, and then the senior Lee Bujakowski a year later in 2003 led him to the old Group AAA Division V state championship. So it's been 14 seasons since Hopewell last hoisted the state trophy. They are two wins away from doing that. And they first off have to host James Monroe, who comes out of Region 3B, where Thomas Jefferson uh, was the one seed, and they were eliminated in the semis against Culpepper. Well, James Monroe eliminated Culpepper Saturday, and that means it's James Monroe coming to Hopewell in one state semifinal at Murner Field. And again, that should be on Saturday. So Hopewell with a really good chance. They've got the home field um, you know, after kind of struggling down the stretch, but you look at the stretch of their schedule um, there in the Central District. When you have to play Dinwiddie, and you have to play Thomas Dale, and you have Rivalry games with Prince George and Petersburg. It really doesn't matter, you know, what their records are. They're tough. You you look at Meadowbrook, who, you know, down the stretch, they laid an egg against Petersburg, but then they beat Hopewell the final night of the regular season so they can make the playoffs in 5B. Hopewell and Lee Davis both came into the postseason 6-4 and on three-game losing streaks. And look at the opposite directions that they took. Lee Davis was one and done. And for Hopewell, it's been three consecutive wins. And I don't think any any of them more impressive than the trip to Bailey Field on Saturday. So congratulations to Coach Irby and company. Uh, looking forward to seeing what they can do at home this weekend to try to punch a ticket to the big game in Williamsburg on December the 9th. 4B, we have talked at length. If you've watched the On the Sidelines Wednesday playbook or On the Sidelines Extra on Friday night, you know that as the season progressed, Mark Davis and I talked a lot about how things were developing in Region 4B and how four teams were separating themselves big time in Dinwiddie, Monacan, Louisa, and Eastern View. None of them in the, in, in, in the same district where you still use your reg- your district play due to get your regular season schedule. Seven of your ten games are eight of them if you're in a nine-team district like the Dominion. And we wondered, we started talking, oh, I don't know, October, late, uh, maybe early to mid-October, is it possible that all four teams could run the table and finish 10-0? Well, the answer to that was yes, they did. And so that set up first-round games, and all four teams wanted to go 11-0, and that set up a night that won't be soon 
uh, replicated. Uh, it's going to take a lot for a region to have their top four teams go unbeaten in the regular season, all win their first-round playoff game, creating a situation where you have two games in the region semifinals, and the combined records of the four teams are 44-0. and And that's what we got last Friday night and ended up with two classics with Dinwiddie holding on to get the last-second field goal to beat Eastern View 40-37 and then Louisa to come to Monacan where their season ended the year before and to fall behind early and then able to rally, counterpunch, catch up, and take off in the second half and get the win over the Chiefs to end their season. That set up Louisa Dinwiddie this past Friday, and what a night that was. And I know there is extreme disappointment in Navy Nation right now. Uh, This team was certainly in a position, a lot of people felt, myself included, that they could make a run back to Zabel Stadium and try to get what just barely slipped out of their hands last year, and that was the old 4A state championship. But they ran into what I think we could probably call now a team of destiny. Uh, in Louisa. And if you don't know the backstory on the Louisa season, I'll quickly surmise it for you. Uh, Head coach Mark Fisher was head coach for Louisa for a long time, left, coached out of state, came back to Louisa a few years back. Uh, He, during all of this time, for the last several years, on and off, has been battling with cancer. The cancer left, uh, and then the cancer returned. And before this season began, Coach Fisher announced that this would be his final season uh, coaching at Louisa. So he's going to, you know, focus on family and his battle physically. Makes perfect sense, but he felt like he had one more season in the tank. And, you know, teams, especially when you're talking about kids that are anywhere from 14 to 18 years old in a, you know, a group of high school kids coming together and faced with this situation, you're going you're gonna to use it one of two ways. It's either going to become a distraction as much as the coach doesn't want it to be. And sometimes when you play with emotion, you play too much with emotion and it can turn negative. And then if things don't go your way a couple of times, then it can begin to snowball on you. And I've seen that with other teams in similar circumstances in, in my very long time watching sports at all levels. Uh, or you use it as a rallying cry and you don't use it always at the forefront. You know it's in the back of your mind, and each kid I know wants to do everything possible to send Coach Fisher out with the state championship. And so they get the job done in the regular season, and they go 10-0. and They get their first-round win against Cortland, and then they have to hit the road. And you have to understand, we've mentioned this before, too, Louisa has one of the most unique home field advantages in the Commonwealth of Virginia. It is a phenomenal experience to watch. And if you've never been at a Louisa home game here in the last, I'd say, decade, it, you, you should go at some point as a high school football fan just to be able to say, I've been there and experienced it. So they have to go on the road to play the Monacan team that ended their season the year before. They fall behind early. They come back. They win. That earns them a trip down to Dinwiddie. Everybody expecting Dinwiddie to get back to Zabel Stadium. And Louisa not only is able to punch counterpunch with the Generals on the road and then get a lead, The most impressive part of Louisa's season to me at this point was the fourth quarter on Friday night where they were able to just chew and chew and chew up clock. And there was nothing Dinwiddie could do. You know, we've talked about how high octane the offenses in 4B have been. We talked about how possibly the team that could go into a track meet with Dinwiddie was Eastern View and ended up being a 40-37 shootout. But then it comes to something else. How do you keep a high-powered offense off the board? Well, the number one way to do it is to keep them off the field. 
And that's what Louisa did to Dinwiddie down the stretch on Friday night. They didn't give them a chance. They, they didn't, you know, it wasn't three and out, back to the generals, a chance to make it a one-score game, a three and out, now a chance to take the lead. Then it's at Dinwiddie, and you know how the momentum shifts. And, and, and it's exactly what happened with Lake Taylor a year ago, Thanksgiving weekend. Dinwiddie was down late. They had to score twice. They did to get the win. And that got them one step closer to the state championship game two weeks later against Salem. So Louisa denied them the opportunity to get the offense back on the field. And that was the biggest part of that victory, 37-28 final score. And so Louisa gets to host the state semifinal on Mark Fisher Field at Louisa County High School. The the field was dedicated in his name at a pregame ceremony back in October. So how crazy it is... That 13-0 Louisa now gets to host the state semis after two huge road wins to get out of a gauntlet of a region. And now they got to face a Lafayette team who was disappointed last year coming close to the state tournament final. And they want to get to Zabel Stadium. So it will be no shoe-in for Louisa. This could be their toughest test, the final test to get them to where they've wanted to be all along. And that's at William & Mary on December the 9th. We know that's a 2 o'clock kick on Saturday. Lafayette at Louisa, that will be an unbelievable atmosphere uh, for high school football. So congratulations to Louisa on the win, and hats off to Dinwiddie. I mean, what can you say? They have had, in the last two years, a combined record of 26-2. and two. Now, you know, if I'm a head football coach, uh, I get two years with my kids, and we go 26-2, and two. am I disappointed because we didn't get a state championship? Yeah, I'm disappointed, but am I happy and proud of my kids? Are you kidding me? Over the moon, happy and proud. So to Coach Billy Mills and the staff down at Navy Nation, incredible job. And they won't rebuild next year. They will reload. They've got plenty coming back uh, for 2018 and beyond. Now let's move up to where we were Friday night. And, of course, that was the Region 5B Championship at Hermitage, the rematch between the Panthers and the Springers. We've talked all year long about how Hermitage – you know, upgraded their schedule again by dropping John Marshall and adding Thomas Dale for the sole purpose of increasing their chances of being able to host deep into the playoffs with a better VHSL ratings number. Uh, And that's exactly what happened. Two years ago when Hermitage beat Highland Springs on opening night, they went undefeated. Highland Springs was 9-1. But the Springers had a much tougher schedule in the Capitol than Hermitage did in the Colonial. And Highland Springs ended up getting home field advantage through the postseason. And you'll recall the incredible 42-35 win by Highland Springs at Kreider that Saturday after Thanksgiving two years ago on the way to their first of two straight state championships. Well, this year, all the cards that were dealt ended up being dealt in Hermitage's direction. The only loss was to uh, a Manchester team that went 9-1, and one, so a slew of bonus points there. Uh, they beat Highland Springs head-to-head. The capital was not as good this year. Hanover's down, Atlee's down, and so Hermitage is able to get the one seed. They beat Meadowbrook, they beat Verina, and it meant that Highland Springs had to come to Chester Fritz. That's what they had been hoping for. And that's what happened on Friday night. And for a while, it looked like things were going to pay off because Hermitage was a team that got off to a great start on both sides of the football. Highland Springs struggled early. They committed turnovers early. Hermitage had a 14-0 lead early in the second quarter. And things were looking really good for the Panthers. But I think the key stretch of the game was after Hermitage scored to make it 14-0, Highland Springs was able to hang around and hang around. And they got a score in to cut it to a one-possession game 
to go to halftime at 14-6. What we didn't see developing, but what came to fruition after halftime was that Highland Springs, their defense was understanding what the Hermitage offense was trying to do. And they were making the adjustments necessary to where in second half action, Hermitage struggled mightily to move the football. And Highland Springs had some big plays. They made the big plays. A couple of their touchdowns, one on, on, on frankly, a, kind of some busted coverage uh, to where you know, the receiver got open and behind the defense, and it was 70 yards to pay dirt. You know, just had to beat one man, I think, as you know, coming over the middle, and then the rest of it was a foot race. And then the other touchdown pass, it was 58 yards from Devontae Waller to Raekwon Smith. And, man, what about the job Smith did in the second half for Highland Springs? Holy cow. First, to be in the middle of the field, be the running back. He's not Billy Kemp. He's not one of their featured receivers. He's not Jones. He's not you know, et cetera, et cetera. He's got two defenders near him. He's able to seize the football, turn around, uh, elude those two Panther defenders and take off. Incredibly impressive play by Smith. But what was more impressive from Raekwon was how he was able to be fed the football and keep drives going, especially a key touchdown drive later in the game that gave them the two-possession lead when Waller went in from a couple of yards out. Now, there's some issues with Highland Springs if they want to hoist the trophy again. Three of them. Number one, you've got to kick your extra points. And if you don't have the supreme confidence that either Alsheski or Mangrum can get the extra points because they went 0 of 3 um, on Friday night against Hermitage. And then one time they lined up for a point after they tried a fake two-point attempt instead with Kemp the holder coming off and he was swallowed up uh, for a loss of a couple of yards. Um, So it should have been 28-14, not 24 14. You see the final and you think, oh, they kicked a field goal. And no, they didn't. But they were 0 for 4 on conversions. You cannot have that happen with the, with the state championship on the line against some of the impressive teams we see now left on the other side of the bracket. And we'll talk about that in a moment. That's one thing you got to do. Number two, you have got to eliminate needless, mindless penalties. And, and there were a couple of unsportsmanlike and personal foul penalties against the Springers that in the end didn't hurt them. But, boy, we've seen them do that time and time again this year. And it, it, there's going to come a time where if they don't clean that up, somebody's going to say something at the wrong time or make the wrong gesture at the wrong time at a critical point of a close game, and it could give new life to your opponent or cost you that game. So there's got to be a level of discipline for those players here in the next two weeks if they can get past Nansman River. First, they got to do that to get a trip back to Hampton um, that we haven't, frankly, seen out of them yet this season. Okay, and and I know there's a swagger to Highland Springs. I understand that. I have seen Highland Springs. Good God, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've seen them play live here in this three-year run. I, and I understand all of that. But there's a you can be you can have a swagger, but you can also be disciplined too. And they're going to need that. Uh, that's that's the two. And the third thing is they can't start slow. They're able to overcome it against Hermitage on Friday night because the defense figured out what Carney and Hill and Jackson and Jennings and company wanted to do. And then Hermitage was not able to counteract that uh, with, with a whole lot of uh, adjustments themselves to try to answer for the adjustments with Highland Springs. They're still superior when it comes to trying to play the game of East and West with them. Getting around the corner on Highland Springs is next to impossible. It was one of the, the hallmarks of their defense two years ago. Uh, it helped them stay in the game with Stonebridge in the championship last year, and they've got it almost to the same extent now this year. So teams are going to have to find ways to 
win the war at the line of scrimmage, encounter with good good running up the middle, uh, balanced attack, and also be able to keep the ball out of DeMonte Waller's hands. He has really come on as a quarterback. Uh, what a night back on Friday. So Highland Springs gets Nansman River. Region 5A down at the coast was crazy this year. There was a lot of teams just knocking each other off. Indian River was the one seed. They fell in the semis. Nansman River gets Salem. They go overtime, and Salem scores at Salem of Virginia Beach. And then Nansman River comes back. They score, but they kick the extra point, and they win 28-27. So don't let their 9-4 and four record fool you. They'll give Highland Springs everything and then some in the state semis on Saturday. On the other side of the bracket in Class 5, there is no Stonebridge. They have been eliminated. Tuscarora defeated Stonebridge in their region championship. And in a surprise, Stafford went to Brook Point, the number one seed in their region, and not only beat them, but beat them badly. And so Stafford is on a roll. Tuscarora is coming off a win over the two-time defending state runner-up. And so that game on Saturday to determine who will take on either Nansman River or Highland Springs for the state championship should be a war in and of itself. So if Highland Springs is able to get the win and make it back to Hampton, just because Stonebridge won't be there, doesn't mean they won't have a very, very tough and tested opponent. So again, tickets for all the football games this weekend, $10. We know that Louisa's game Saturday kicks at 2 p.m. As soon as we get kick times on the rest of them, we'll let you know at rbasportsnetwork.com and, of course, across our Twitter network. All right, fans, let's shift focus to basketball. The 2017-18 season is underway for private schools, and it will officially get underway for public schools on Monday. Now, let me preface our preseason top tens with a couple of comments. Number one, um, there are still several teams where we were not able to get information on. There were a few teams that we really wanted rosters from, and we weren't able to get them, unfortunately. And so there's a possibility that there's a team or two out there that could be top 10 worthy that we weren't able to take a look at and quantify and make a decision in terms of our voting process as to, okay, here's the information, here's what we base it on, and now it's time to vote. And that's number one. Number two, and we'll start with the girls' top 10 poll. And we mentioned this last March as Monacan was winning their third straight state title and Highland Springs got all the way to the state championship. We noted that this was going to be a transition year in girls basketball here in the 804. Highland Springs lost a ton to graduation. Monacan lost. I don't know that any school has ever lost a senior class as successful, uh, as large as Monacan did coming off of their third straight state title in 17. You could argue Cosby the year before, but really Cosby kind of lost their pieces over a couple of year period. Yes, they lost, you know, Tyra Whitehead and and um and Jones both at the same time there after that third championship win, but they lost two big keys. You know, Monican lost Megan Walker, Alex Parson, Jaden Morris. Uh, the, and, and that's just the first three <laughs> three names that come to my head. Jasmine Norman down at CNU now, nationally ranked in Division Three. Uh, so I, I'm not sure that a team has ever had to overcome that much. But there is uh, experience coming back for Monacan, and there are some bright new stars on the horizon for them as well. Having said that, here is our first top 10 girls basketball poll of the season. 
as we get started officially uh, for most schools on Monday night. In the top 10 discussion, but failing to make the top 10, we're keeping an eye on Midlothian. It's a young team this year, a very young team for Coach Layton, but we feel like there's going to be some talent there, and uh, Nia is back as a senior, can be the leader of that team, and so we'll keep our eye on the Trojans. Deep run. They lost Mallory O'Dell to graduation. She's now at Longwood. Ran into her at Longwood a few weeks ago. She's looking great, and she's ready not only to play basketball, but <clears throat> excuse me, but softball as well in the spring. So uh, that that is a that is a lot to do to play two sports at the Division One level. That to, and keep up with your studies. My, my salute to Mallory for making. Uh, that commitment, and of course, Longwood and the rest of all the college basketball teams already well underway. Uh, we're keeping an eye on Prince George, and we're also keeping an eye on a Mills-Godwin team that's bringing back some significant pieces from a team that showed some good signs last year. And it's going to be interesting because on Wednesday night, we're going to be at Mills-Godwin when they host the number 10 team in our first girls basketball poll, and they are the Hawks of Hanover High School. Last year was a breakthrough season for Coach Michael Rohr and the Hawks. It was their first winning season in a very long time. And though they have lost a few to graduation, including both Sarah Wright and Elizabeth Allen, whom both now play for Randolph College in the ODAC, they have a lot coming back, uh, led by sophomore guard Jordan Davis and point guard Rachel Metzger. So Hanover comes in at number 10 in our first girls basketball poll. Just ahead of them, another team who found the winning formula last year turned a corner. And although the end of the season wasn't what they wanted it to be, they are poised to make even more noise this year. And that would be the Blue Devils of Verina. Verina comes in at 9 in our first top 10 poll. Just ahead of them, the Rapids of James River. They have a significant portion of their team coming back from last year, and they could make some noise in what's going to be a really fun Dominion District because you've got Midlothian, we mentioned a moment ago. We've got James River in there, and there's two other teams in the Dominion that we've yet to reveal in our top 10. So Dominion District girls basketball is going to be, again, this year, uh, a lot of fun. At 7 in our preseason poll, St. Catharines, a team that is looking to advance and do better in um, uh, LIS, VISAA play this season. Ahead of them, a very interesting team. Down at the Central District, number 6 in our preseason poll, the Blue Devils of Hopewell. They've got some experience back for 2017-18. Uh, I, I think they're going to fly up and down the court. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch the Blue Devils work. And it could be a very special season for both Hopewell basketball teams, and we'll have more on that in a moment. Now our top five for girls basketball. Number five, Trinity Episcopal. They've got key players coming back. Remember how young they were two years ago where most of their um, contributors were freshmen and sophomores? Well, they're now juniors and seniors, and this team is poised uh, to make not only a run but a deep run. In, uh, in private school action. So tr the Titans of Trinity Episcopal take number five. Number four, I think one of the more intriguing teams this season, and I think as the season progresses, they're only going to get better. They're not tall. They don't really have a whole lot of height, but they have a lot of speed. I think you're going to see them play a lot of pressure defense, and they've got some shooters. And that, of course, is Coach Chevette Waller and her uh, Skyhawks of L.C. Bird coming in at four in our preseason poll. More on them in a moment because they'll play a fellow top 10 team on our first game of the week broadcast a week from Tuesday. At number three, Highland Springs. Now, we mentioned a moment ago that, that this year is a season of transition for girls basketball here in the RBA. And one of the reasons is 
all the graduation lawsuits. And Bird had a few. Highland Springs had a ton. But Highland Springs has a new flood of talent that you may not have heard of their names. But let me just say, in talking with head coach Franklin Harris some time back, he is unbelievably excited about the year to come. And they may take some lumps early, but the Highland Springs team that we see come February could be very interesting. Springers, and they've got a couple of key spots coming back, too. A.C. Baycott, the first person that comes to mind. Uh, you've got that experience, and then you, uh, you know, Paris McBride, uh, you're coming back, and, and you put that in with the new blood coming in, and they could be really, really fun to watch. Highland Springs Verina games this regular season are going to be good. At number two, although they lost Asia Carter to graduation, they have a ton of talent coming back, the Titans of Cosby. And, of course, Rachel Mead always has Cosby ready to go. So they come in at two, and that leads our top spot. And unbelievably, because, again, it's a transition year, uh, I think some of the way the top ten fell was, um, you know, by who is returning, but also by pedigree as well. Uh, this program has been great for the last four years. Uh, they had a, um, a very disappointing loss in an early regional level back uh, in 2014, and then they rolled off three straight state championships, and they will begin atop our poll, and they are the Chiefs of Monacan. Uh, Abby Ogich is back. Lindsay Estes is back. Asia Alexander will have a chance to, to really contribute more this year. And there's some new people coming on board for the Chiefs who have a whole lot of talent. So our first top ten for the year, preseason top ten, Monacan one, Cosby two, Highland Springs three. Then it's Bird at four, Trinity at five, Hopewell six, St. Catherine seven, James River eight, Verana nine, and Hanover at ten. Perfect promo time, game of the week premiere on Tuesday night, December 5th. We will be live at Chuck Tester Gymnasium. On the campus of L.C. Bird, where number four L.C. Bird welcomes in number one Monacan. We'll get a first-hand look at both the Skyhawks and the Chiefs live at 7 Eastern, only on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash RBA Sports Network. And fans, let me implore you right now. This is not me just trying to get you to up my subscriber count. It's not that at all. It is the easiest way for you to be able to join us for all of our upcoming basketball coverage in this regular season, and we're going to have a ton. I think we already have 13 games um, locked and loaded, and we are working on probably that many and more, uh, both over the holiday period, into January, and even into early February. Now, that third week in January during exams, we may not do a whole lot simply because (laughs) I may get called to the hospital. Um, and, and we'd hate to, to have a broadcast and then have to can it at the very last minute. So we may go about a week without one, but Game of the Week is going to be a lot of fun this year. And the easiest way to know about them is, is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash RBA Sports Network, and at the top of the page, click subscribe. Here's what happens. We do not spam you. We do not get in touch with you three times a day to give you mindless, needless emails that you just delete. When you hear from us is when we either A, go live with a new broadcast, or B, put up a new video if we've done video interviews, highlights, etc. That's it. So if you want the easiest way to know how to follow us on YouTube and listen to the Game of the Week, just subscribe to our YouTube channel, and then you'll never miss another Game of the Week broadcast. YouTube.com slash RBA Sports Network. Click subscribe. We'll send you alerts when we go live, uh, and you'll never miss another game. All right? All right, so December 5th, that's Tuesday, December 5th, 7 o'clock Eastern time, number one Monacan, number four LC Bird, live from Chester. 
Let's get to the boys. Boys top 10. Boy, it's going to feel weird to say this, but just outside of our top 10, they are extremely young, uh, but you know they're going to have a lot of talent, and this team will grow as the season progresses. And it's a team that I know is coming off a disappointing campaign last year. Uh, but Coach Vance Harmon, who I just saw the other night, um, always has his Henrico Warriors ready. Really looking forward to being back at Henrico Holiday Hoops at the end of December. And they are just outside of our initial boys' top ten. So are the Chiefs of Monacan, who are regrouping and got some new blood coming in. And a couple of very key returners from a team um, that saw their season come to a close uh, uh, against a team that was absolutely surging last year and had an incredible postseason run in Hanover, who lost a lot uh, to graduation. Benedictine was a very disappointing year last year, but they've got a lot of talent. They have way too much talent on that team for that team not to perform well. And so we're keeping an eye on them, but they're just outside of our poll, as is Glenn Allen, who lost some to graduation. But they've also got some young guys coming in that could be very intriguing. Colonial District basketball this year between... Glenn Allen and Deep Run, Mills Godwin lost a lot to graduation, but they've got a few key players coming back and some new ones coming in to where the Eagles could launch themselves quickly into the discussion. And there are two teams in the Colonial that are in our top 10. We'll talk about in a moment. Number 10 in our poll, the Bobcats of Millwood. You're saying, who are they? If you're not familiar with them, get familiar with Millwood. DeAndre Thomas and company down in Chesterfield, Millwood, I think, is poised to have a very good season, Uh, one of three private school teams in our top ten. Keep an eye on the Bobcats as their season progresses. At number nine, the Panthers of Hermitage finally got that last conference 11 championship. Uh, Last year, Rob Rice, no longer the coach, stepping down for family issues. Uh, So uh, loss of graduation, loss of a coach, time of turnover for them. Uh, We plan on being at their game at home a week from Monday against Thomas Dale. We're not planning to broadcast that game, but we'll be there with live tweet coverage on Henrico Sports and Chesterfield Sports, and we'll be really excited to see the Panthers firsthand. They start off our season in the uh, poll at number nine. Ahead of them, the Collegiate Cougars, the second of the three VISAA schools. Collegiate comes in at number eight. Robbie Barron, in case you didn't know, has transferred from J.R. Tucker over to Collegiate. Uh, He certainly will be a centerpiece uh, for Coach Dell Harris and company. Uh, They've got some others who are coming back. So Collegiate, who we had a chance to see at Henrico Holiday Hoops last year, they're always a pesky team, a team that that is going to to just be there and be there for 32 minutes. They They always have the effort. The question there is always execution. And that's not to say they don't execute. It's to say there are some teams who take a few plays off. Collegiate never does. And now with Barron, who can shoot it from three, he can play on the inside, he can be a matchup nightmare collegiate is uh, is looking like they could have a pretty good season this year another team uh, that I think last year uh, uh, they they got a lot of good experience um, Matoica did too last year I'm thinking now to what used to be conference 12 and the the, the issue was Matoica lost quite a bit the graduation now Matoica will be good this year I believe didn't make our top 10 preseason but Highland Springs did and I'm very intrigued with those who are coming in now. Of course, Highland Springs will have, probably have a couple of role players that are still playing bas- playing football that will later come onto the basketball team. And that's always a disadvantage for basketball because then you have to assimilate them in after the regular season has already started. But Coach Tennyson and company, they'll figure that out. And they begin at 7. George with the Bulldogs debut in our poll at number 6. And now the top 5. Number 5. You could argue that 
no team in the last, mm, boy, how many years has lost more to graduation than the L.C. Bird Skyhawks did this past June. Senior-laden team that finally got Coach Troy Mann's that state championship back in March. And now you got Mario Haskett at Harvard. And if I start naming off all the names, I'll forget a couple, so I'm just going to stop myself right there. Um, but L.C. Bird also has some young talent coming in, and, and Coach Mann's always knows how to coach them up and use them based on their talents and abilities. Remember, the Skyhawks were the only team to figure out how to beat Trinity Episcopal last year in that great game last January that we had here live on the RBA Sports Network. So LC Bird enters, even though a lot of their players are untested, they start the season ranked at five. Ahead of them at four with the Twin Towers of Hopewell. The Blue Devils come in at four. We know that there are some other really good teams in what's now called Class 3 in basketball in our area. We've already mentioned one in George Wythe. We're going to mention another one here in a second. But I think Hopewell has got some really good pieces coming back from last season. They know how to get to the state championship. They did it just two seasons ago, falling in overtime. This is a season where if things fall together, Hopewell could make a possibly another uh, deep run. And they are at four in our poll. That other Class 3 team that we were going to mention, we mentioned now they come in preseason three, and that is Isaiah Todd and the Justices of John Marshall. When you have the number one ranked player in the nation for your graduating class, you're going to be high on a lot of lists. And with Isaiah Todd and uh, his cast of characters, and let me say, I don't mean that to say it's Todd and everybody else. I mean to say it's Todd certainly is going to be the centerpiece every time they take the court simply because of the attention he gets. But there are going to be a lot of other players on that team that's going to determine the success of the Justices, and I think it's going to be another good season for them. And again, you've got a situation to where in Class 3, you got George Wythe over in the Dominion. So they're going to play the Monicans and the LC Birds and, and teams like that. You've got Hopewell in the Central. So they're going to get to play a Prince George team. That could give you some trouble this year. Um, you know, Dinwiddie, which we may see in the first week of the regular season, have they improved from last year? Um, be interesting to see how that goes. And, and another football note, with Dinwiddie being exited this past weekend, they're going to be able to assimilate a couple of football players a lot quicker in, and that may help the Dinwiddie Generals early on in the season from a boys' basketball standpoint. John Marshall, Isaiah Todd in at three. And then the, the top two teams in our first poll actually faced each other Tuesday night on that special game of the week um, benefit game that we brought you that came to an unfortunate end, fans. And, and I, the only thing I want to talk about coming out of what happened there, and if you don't know, if you weren't with us, there was a sequence between... Uh, Trinity Episcopal and Verina, where Verina led pretty much the entire first half. They led at halftime. Trinity came back, took the lead, got it up to 10 in the fourth. And then Verina was in the midst, midst of a 6 nothing run. And there were two plays that caused what happened to happen. Uh, the first one was a situation to where Trinity, a player for Trinity, a sophomore, uh, committed back-to-back -back turnovers. And for whatever reason, after the second turnover, I don't know if it was embarrassment, if it was just youthful exuberance or what, he began to jaw at the Verina player who happened to be with him on the court and pointed his finger at him. At that point, that made the Verina fans unhappy. 
It also made head coach Rick Hamlin very unhappy. He brought him to the bench and had to physically, you know, look at him and say, sit down, because he was still clapping at the bench before he sat down. So I'm sure there's been a long conversation there about doing things the right way and not egging on your opponent and the fans. (sighs) Subsequently, after that happened, there was a play where Trinity ended up getting the basketball. Jason Wade was heading down court. He went for the layup, and I believe it was Simon Pinchback who was able to draw the charge. It was a very hard foul. Wade went up in the air awkwardly because his legs kind of went tumbling high, and at some one point his legs were higher in the air than his head and his, his torso was. And so he kind of came down on the top part of his body on top of Pinchback. Pinchback came up favoring an arm, but came to the bench and was okay. Unfortunately, after the call was, I don't know if something was said or whatnot, but there was a punch thrown, and uh, Verina's bench ran on the court. Trinity's bench did not. Um, there were a couple of Henrico County police officers assigned to the game. They happened to be in the corner of the court where this took place. They came on immediately. RMC events came on immediately. Others came on. Obviously, the refs were there. And the the only criticism I have of the officials who were there that night was it, it took them longer than it needed to for them to decide that, you know what, with 320 to go in a preseason game, that bears nothing for either team in terms of the schedule and the season ahead. We need to just cut this off. And that's what they ended up doing. But it took them five or six minutes to make that decision. If it had been me and I had been the head official, I probably would have cut it about 60 seconds in because you've got yourself now in a situation to where if you allow play to continue and one more thing happens and it really doesn't have to be much of a thing, then you could have a serious problem on your hands. Kudos to the fans of both teams who kept their cool and didn't start coming out on the court. Uh, you know, we the, we were close to having a very bad situation there Tuesday night. Thankfully, that did not happen. Now, you're sitting there asking yourself, what about disciplinary actions? I've already been asked about that. I know that both Jason Wade and the other player for Trinity, they played down in Atlanta this weekend where they played two games at the Hoops Giving Tournament. They lost to the supposed number one ranked team in America, um, Montverde Academy out of Florida. I'm still not sure how they nationally rank teams from all 50 states, and and usually those those rankings lean heavily towards the private schools that do some serious recruiting to get, you know, top-level kids, which is a totally different brand of high school basketball and not what we cover here in the Richmond area. But anyway, they uh, came back and got a really good win Saturday night over Trinity Christian of North Carolina, 78-77 after trailing for a good part of that game. Now, whether Verina has to, um, because members of the of the bench came out onto the court, whether they're going to have any disciplinary action from the VHSL, their regular season gets underway in Ashland at Patrick Henry on Tuesday, December the 5th. But once all of that is behind us, We look at our top ten, and the two teams we had Tuesday night are there. Verina is at two. They were extremely impressive Tuesday night to me in my decision-making process um, and certainly could have had a chance to to win against Trinity. They've got tons of talent coming back and some fantastic newcomers, um, uh, uh, including a freshman point guard whose name escapes me right now because I just don't have their roster right in front of me. But, boy, did he play some good basketball on a Tuesday night. And then Trinity Episcopal is our first number one team. I think that's pretty much a no-brainer. I think you'll see that with any other poll here in the area. Uh, When you're the defending state champions, you've got one of the top 25 players in the class of 2019 in Armando Baycott. You've got Jason Wade, who's committed now to Old Dominion. Henry Coleman comes over from, I believe, Benedictine, and he has offers coming in. 
Uh, he kind of replaces Zach Jacobs, who's now with James Madison, and a, and a full healthy season with Tink Boyd. They're, they're going to be just fine. So there's your top ten for boys. And, and so sad that we had to talk about what transpired on Tuesday night. But it does need to be brought up in the fact that in the sense that hopefully – um, you know, cooler heads prevail. Guys, girls, when you play in basketball or any sport, whatever case may be, I know it's competitive. I know things can get heated. I know you want to win. But always remember, you know, your name, your family's name, your school's name, your coach's name. You're representing all of that. Do it to the best of your ability. And when in doubt, don't. Just simple advice from me. There's your top ten. Trinity Noah's one, Verina two, John Marshall three, Hopewell four, LC Bird five, then George Wythe, Highland Springs, Collegiate, Hermitage, Millwood. And we'll post these, of course, at rbasportsnetwork.com, and they will be updated each Sunday through the regular season. So every Sunday, including Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, because we've got holiday tournaments all throughout winter break, uh, we will keep you posted, and we will update and have new top ten polls every Sunday. Now, we may not have a Central Region Now podcast on Christmas Eve. Um, We'll probably have one New Year's Eve, but we'll certainly have one every Sunday. Other than that, holiday-wise, the rest of the way. Let me see if there's any other housekeeping things I've got to do before we wrap things up here on this edition of Central Region Now. Longer than usual podcast. We normally don't clock in at the one-hour mark, but there was a lot to talk about on this one. And we thank all of you for joining us Uh, and staying with us this week on RVA Sports Network. Monday night, we're heading up to Louisa County. First basketball game high school regular season that we will be covering will be girls basketball action between Patrick Henry and Louisa. It kicks at 7.30. Live tweet coverage on Hanover Sports. And, of course, we'll have coverage of it coming up in the Thursday edition of the Hanover Herald Progress. We were at uh, Randolph-Macon on Sunday afternoon where the Yellow Jackets went to 3-1 and one in men's basketball action with a 69-56 win over Farum, who will be a new member of the ODAC next year. 18 points apiece for former Midlothian and Amelia Academy standout Corey Turner and for Daniel Noe. As the Yellow Jackets again, three and one, and they get ODAC action started Wednesday at Roanoke. Speaking of that, Tuesday night will be at Randolph Macon when the women start their ODAC play. Washington and Lee come in, and Randolph Macon is also three and one in women's play, thanks greatly to the play of Kelly Williams, their sophomore center, who was named last week the U.S. BWA National Women's Basketball Player of the Week in Division Three. Her double doubles are not just double doubles. I think she's done so far this year: thirty-four and twenty-two, twenty-one and twenty-five, twenty-five and eighteen are three of of the the ones that she has put up this year. As long as Kelly stays healthy and in, and out of foul trouble, she is going to be a huge problem for everybody in the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. And again, Tuesday night they open their conference schedule against the Generals, and we'll be at Crenshaw live on Hanover Sports at seven p.m. Wednesday night, our plan is to be at Mills Godwin for girls basketball, Hanover and Mills Godwin. Thursday night is up in the air right now. Friday night is also up in the air. We're looking at both Dinwiddie at Hanover Boys Basketball and we're looking at King William at Lee Davis Basketball as two possibilities. Of course, next Saturday is state semifinal football Saturday. Our plan is to be at Highland Springs High School for live tweet coverage of Highland Springs and Nansman River. We also hope to have one of our reporters down on the field with video updates Got to give a huge shout-out to Sepp Shirey, who did such a great job Friday night with video updates at the Region 5B final 
uh, which we retweeted all of his videos on both Henrico Sports and the RVA Sportsnet. We have an outstanding crew of uh, sports interns this year with the RVA Sports Network. Uh, Cameron Taylor, Noah Matthews, Andy Losey, Sepp has joined us now since Atlee football was done. Kip V. Horn has also joined us. Uh, and Callie Yost, who's finally feeling better down in Chesterfield. Glad to have you back here soon, Callie. Uh, and if you are inclined journalistically, if you are thinking about a career in journalism, whether it be broadcast or print or whatever the case may be, and you'd like to get some experience, we would love to talk to you about being one of our RVA Sports Network interns. Just uh, shoot us a DM at any of our Twitter feeds, at Hanover Sports, at Henrico Sports, at Chesterfield Sports and at the RVA Sports Net. We don't require a lot of time commitment because we know you're very busy with what you're doing in high school. But if you're able to shoot some video with your camera, if you're able maybe to learn how to do some post-game interviews, if you want to take your hand at writing some articles, we're happy to let you do that and to help you along the way uh, to get you set and ready to go. We want to train up the next generation of, of reporters and videographers and multimedia journalists and so uh, hit us up. Let us know. We can send you an application. You don't have to start in August. You can start mid-season. Uh, just get in touch with us on Twitter for that. So we hope to have one of our reporters down on the field. While I'll be up in the press box tweeting away, they'll be sending video updates of uh, Highland Springs and Nansman River. We'll have updates for you Saturday from the Louisa game as well. Uh, Randolph-Macon men's and women's basketball have a double header on Saturday. Uh, there's just so much that's going on uh, <laughs> that we're trying to get to as m- much of it as possible. And then don't forget, Game of the Week uh, comes back on Tuesday night, December 5th. Number one, Monikin at number four, L.C. Bird, girls basketball action. We go live at 7 Eastern on YouTube.com slash RBA Sports Network. So tell your friends, tell the freshmen at your school, hey, it's basketball season or it's wrestling season. It's swimming gymnastics, indoor track, yeah, uh uh-huh, all that getting started. You want to keep up with your school and your favorite teams. Hyper-local coverage that you only get from the RVA Sports Network. Follow Hanover Schools on Hanover Sports, Henrico County Schools on Henrico Sports, Chesterfield County Schools on Seafield Sports, that's the letter C, Field Sports, and for the city, the tri-cities and surrounding counties, private schools, and everything else going on in the world of sports in the RVA, from VCU and U of R to more. You know, follow us on our main uh, Twitter feed at the RVA Sports Net. That's at the RVA Sports Net. And don't forget our Facebook pages. We have Facebook pages for the RVA Sports Network. We also have two that cover Henrico County as well as Hanover County. Facebook.com slash RVA Sports Network. Facebook.com slash Henrico Sports Facebook.com slash Hanover Sports. Guys, that's where you tell your parents, because I know Twitter is for the uh, high schoolers and the young adults. Facebook's where mom and dad find out who wins the game. I get it. Totally understand. Thanks for being with us, fans, for this uh, comeback edition of Central Region Now, the exclusive podcast of the RVA Sports Network, intended solely for the private, non-commercial use of our audience, any rebroadcast or other use of our podcast without the express written consent of HCS Media LLC is strictly prohibited. You know, we mentioned game of the week, December 5th, Monica and LC Bird. We also mentioned that's one of 13 games I think we've already got scheduled uh, for broadcast on our YouTube channel. You can see the entire schedule of confirmed games right now at rvasportsnetwork.com. That's rvasportsnetwork.com. And we are working for more during our holiday feast of hoops during winter break as well as into January and February. Thanks again to all of our reporters who have done such an incredible job during football season. Looking forward to your work in basketball. 
thanks to the coaches and trainers and and and, and JV coaches and and parents who help us out as well uh, when we're out live, getting you coverage on the RVA Sports Network. Thanks everybody. Rob with them saying, have a great week. Talk to you next Sunday.